Yes. Oh my god. Nothing. They have, I think, like 15 iPads for the whole plane. Oh my goodness. I never heard of Air Canada Rouge. What's the difference between Air Canada Rouge and like regular like Air Canada? Why is it? Is that the discount like the French version? It's the difference, like you know, you know the company Fiat. Fiat owns Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Same company, just you know, you got a higher end. You got a different uh, market. Yeah. Exactly, based on the price points and everything. Mm-hmm. Damn, I didn't know that Air Canada's slipping. Tell us. I, I like Air Canada is over expensive to me. To be honest, like I think it's just a little overrated. Mm-hmm. I haven't probably flown with them in years, but hey. Air Canada, if you want to want to throw me that uh, that offer, I might consider it. Shit. Did Air, did Air Canada end up getting bailed out with the like the COVID crisis? Uh, Was it were the they one, Yeah, were they one of the companies that got? Uh, to be honest, I'm not exactly sure with the airline industry. I know that was a big question that they had. They did just recently a twenty uh, percent off during the entire month of October, I believe, to try to get some revenues up. But I'm not sure if they got bailed out on the actual. Tilt, tilt the mic, mic just a little bit down. Yeah, I probably. Yeah, yeah, oh, you yeah. can tilt it like tilt it, tilt it on the elbow. Oh, like on this thing? Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's perfect. Things are weird. You get, it takes a little bit of Getting time to get handled. Yeah, yeah so. good though. No, yeah, yeah we, we straight. Good. We got a uh, yeah, we're rolling already. I'll just do the intro oh. now. Yeah, shit. We got a very special guest on today. Uh, my man Nico. Account is very special. Yeah, I got throw you in that category. <laughs> I'll, throw, I'll throw you on that, so you Perfect. know. Um, how could I describe you, man? Uh, business savvy. You own several businesses. Investor. Um, just an all-around great mind. I mean, how do you give me a little too much credit there? I appreciate it. Yeah, no, nah, no, bro. I, um, yeah, yeah, no. We uh, I got a good group of guys around me. A good team. A uh, good mentor. You know, things like that. That I think a lot of business guys. I'm sure you feel the same way with your industry. You know, things that are important to help you kind of grow and succeed overall. Mm. Yeah, that's the gist of it. So I started off in the uh, barbershop industries. I uh, got in there about five years ago. And the whole works. And you're into, uh, you got the rug industry, right? Yeah, carpets. It's family business. Family so, business? Uh, yeah, so it wasn't really my uh, my thing. <laughs> but uh, it, it makes us money. Facts. You know, so you, know, you kind of you figure, you find out your niche within the niche, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. If you so, need your rugs, hey, all that my guy, man. I'm your guy. Yeah. I have to. You ship them down to uh, down to Florida. <laughs> we can make it happen. Don't worry. Yeah, make it So whenever a guest comes on, I always like asking them about like how they've been dealing with COVID and whatnot because it's it's been affecting everyone. Oh, so absolutely. For you, how have you been managing? Listen, it's it's been ups and downs overall. Uh, we had to shut down one of our locations because of the whole Corona thing. That it sucks. You know, anytime you close a business, it's like your baby, right? Um, so that sucked. Uh, lucky enough, I got in really early with some stocks to make up some of the losses. Um, so I believe back in end of March, right when we had that you know, mandatory shutdown and everything like that, uh, with Elon, helped me pick mm-hmm. out about five stocks that we wanted to really get into. And so that kind of helps make up for some of the losses. But overall, like businesses are getting killed. Um, after we even reopened the barbershops, we weren't allowed to cut beards. Yeah, I've I've noticed that like here, whenever I, yeah, whenever I go into a shop, you gotta wear your mask, and then throughout the whole cut, like actually, I'm not even exposed too much, but you're you're just supposed to have on the mask the whole time th- throughout the cut, right? So it's uh it's a little weird in a and sense. You gotta remember if you if you can't get your beard done in a barber shop, you'd rather pay the extra ten bucks have the barber come to your house, hundred percent, right, right yeah. or something like that. So mm-hmm. you know, a lot of barber shops were losing their barbers to house cuts. Barbers yeah. started doing house calls, realized, oh, I'm making good money this way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You don't have to pay anything for the shop or anything like that. So they went that way. 
Um, now, once they've opened things up, everybody's kind of coming back because obviously the barbershop atmosphere and it's, it's home. It is. Yeah. It really is home, you know. So overall, I don't know if I had to rate COVID out of a one to ten in terms of how it affected current businesses, a one. <laughs> you know, like it kills you if, in terms of opportunities to expand if you are liquid if you got some capital on the side it's a 10 mm-hmm. everything's yeah. cheap real estate's available mm-hmm. you know what i mean businesses yeah. got hurt so even if you're looking to buy businesses you're looking to invest in the stock market obviously um now following the elections too and everything there might be some plays in the stock market uh, stock market that are available but but yeah it kind of depends on how you look at it you know I, i've always been the type and we talked about this outside quickly i said I got a roof over my head and food on the table. I can't complain. Right? A lot of people are in worse situations than I am. Uh, so overall, I wish it never happened, but what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, facts. As a businessman, as a person in business, do you feel that COVID had to make you sort of recalibrate your strategy in a sense? Yeah. So a lot of, so for example, my barbershop, the one in Mississauga is a chair base, chair rent, mm-hmm. right? So they rent the chairs from us. They do kind of, marketing and you know all their money that they get from their clients is theirs it, it it works good both ways right now with covid and things declining and the shops aren't as busy as they used to be now this is where even though we're on a chair rent based system we got to really start incorporating marketing right like we bring in squire software applications for booking um we already were one of the only shops we offer all our barbers benefits mm-hmm. right? so it's one of the big things wow. i try to make sure that my barbers are happy they're taken care of you know they That's have the option for yeah. family benefits we'll see that as well yeah, it's one of the big things, and I don't know, maybe this is, I have a, an angel of a mother. I got to give her credit. She always puts integrity first. So it, it was one of the things we really looked at. But, yeah, COVID definitely made sure to pull the best out of you, mm-hmm. and, and not just in the industry that you're in, but especially, and I'm sure you for yourself as well, the, the fact that your industry got hit so hard kind of forced you to go out of your bubble mm-hmm. and try to see, okay, where can we be better? Yeah, You know, so for us, my game plan when I look at the barbershop is of the people that are comfortable coming out to get, you know, haircuts, they're not as scared. What can we do to make sure we're the ones getting them? That's got to be our goal of anybody going to get a haircut. They're coming to us Yeah, because it's not like it used to be where, you know, I got 10 guys in the shop there. We on an average Friday, Saturday, we see 250 people in the shop, right? Each guy is doing 20 cuts sometimes, you know, on the busy days. So it, it, yeah, it, re- yeah. it really forces you to, to pull the best out of yourself. Uh, how did it hit you guys, actually? I'm curious over there because you're in Edmonton, right? Like, yeah. Was it similar? Or? For us, pers- like for our business, it helped a lot because yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot hey, of, you don't hear that often. It's not bad to say. It's not bad to say. We were shut down for two months, but because people were home, mm-hmm. I, they got really conscious about their living space. You know, so now it's like you're in that home for an extra eight hours a day as opposed to being out of the house for eight, nine hours a day. So when you're home a lot more, you know, an extra 40 hours a week, you get sick of your atmosphere a little Mm. bit faster, you know. So we've had an influx of people coming in trying to change up their decor. Uh, You know, we've got a nice back end of customers that they always come to us every year, but. We expanded in terms of, you know, customers that were looking for something new, a new change. And, and it's a really niche market. So I'm sure it helps too the fact that everybody's at home, like you said. The government's giving you two grand a month. Yeah. <laughs> your mortgage and everything is on hold, Deferred, right? Deferred, yeah. Even your hydro, all that stuff, they're not allowed to turn it off, mm-hmm. right? Because people are stuck at home yeah. kind of thing. So everybody has this extra little influx of money too now that they can spend. 
obviously nobody's thinking about the taxes that are going to be associated with <laughs> yeah, it down the line. They'll deal with it when it's it comes. Come, but yeah. mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons that you see companies like Amazon blow up. Oh, yeah. Like, bro, Amazon is trading now at, I think it's like $3,200 a stock. And prior to COVID, uh, I believe early March when I looked at their stocks, they were trading at like 1600 That's crazy. You're talking Doubled. about double. Tesla. Tesla, Tesla was one of the stocks I bought into very early. Before I uh, opened the first shop, I bought Tesla at $128 a stock. Mm. Tesla went up to $2,500 before they did a five-way stock split. Granted, I sold at $230, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made. That's crazy. But, um, still. But yeah, still you know, it got a little return. Yeah. But yeah, definitely there's a few other factors, I think, that are helping people with spending. Um Skip the dishes, mm-hmm. yeah. Uber Eats, yep. you know, DoorDash. These guys are making a killing right now. You know, the restaurant industry especially. Uh, or sorry, I should say the QSR industry, like quick service restaurants, yep. you know, drive throughs If you had a drive through during COVID, you're killing. Mm-hmm. Good, yeah, yeah. You're one, killing. one thing I noticed coming back to Toronto, I have Starbucks every day. It's a terrible habit. Come on, bro. Not a lot of Starbucks have a drive through here. And I'm like, this is weird because everywhere there, yeah, every have single Starbucks has a drive through Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Every either. single one. Yeah, yeah, I don't know too many here that have drive-throughs. I know there's I one at like Winston and uh, Dairy that's Dairy? got one, oh, but I think that's Shit. the only one I know really with the. Sure Starbucks is one of the only companies that don't allow you to franchise them. Like mm-hmm. they open, buy, yeah. yeah, they yeah. open every. It's, it's store. a corporate structure. Yeah, I think yeah. the only person that they have that actually owns a good amount is uh, Magic Johnson, actually. Really? Yeah. yeah Magic Johnson. Oh, I think like 400 okay, okay. Starbucks locations. From a long time ago, too. From yeah, early. he got him very, job, very right? early. Yeah, he's one of the only people I think they allowed to to own the locations. But other than that, it's a corporate structure. Mm-hmm. for them. So I want to talk, cause I'm glad you brought up on like just stocks and investing because I think like our generation right now, we're overly confident or a lot of us are overly confident, but undereducated when it comes to investing in stocks. Um, I think some of that has to do with people not admitting that they don't have it all figured out. They don't have everything, you know, uh, they're not fully knowledgeable in that sense. So, I mean, to those people, what would you recommend, um, especially during a time like right now, how COVID's affecting everything? What would you recommend in terms of investing and, and just stock knowledge t- uh, for those people? I, I think the, the fact that we all have access to the internet is huge. And when it comes to stocks, uh, us who are all kind of on the same level, obviously it's different if you're high up there, insider trading, a lot of people that have information, <laughs> I'm sure, to things we don't. Yeah, and like, yeah, you know, yeah, they, yeah. they do. That's they do. They have access to these things that yeah. we don't. Yeah. Granted, also, you have geniuses up there that'll put markers together that we wouldn't even see, right? But I think on average, we all have the internet. We all have the capability to research these companies. Um, if they're a public company, you can get access to their finances. You know what I mean? Like it's their all financials. Public, public it's record. all public record, yeah. right? So it, it really does come down to the due diligence. If you're not comfortable necessarily in the stocks, all this money you got from the government, you could put it into an S&P 500. I think they average yearly returns of about 7% over the last two decades or something, right? Mm-hmm. So even if you put, let's say, the 10 grand that you're getting from the government or whatever over these times, put it in an S&P 500 and just let it ride for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it grows, but... I think one of the issues that we have right now is as, as much as we all use it and love it is social media. Yep. Yeah. It yeah. really is. You know, do you want to put your money into a stock or you want to go buy a Gucci belt and put it on your IG <laughs> story? <laughs> no, honestly, yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's a big shit. thing, the, yeah. the social media. And I think the issue, one of the big ones, um, and I heard somebody use this kind of analogy before and, and it just chimed perfectly. Where before, back in the day, prior to social media and everything like that, you know, there was that saying, keeping up with the Joneses, right? Mm, yeah. Look over at your neighbor. What does your neighbor have? You know what I mean? Oh, they got, you know, this new Car- lawnmower or something. Yeah. I'm going to go get an even yeah. better one. You know, I'm going to get a John yeah. Deere or something kind of thing. Mm. Now, 
your neighbor is essentially the world with social media. Mm -hmm. So it's not even realistic. You're comparing your expectations and your buying power to somebody who's in a completely different situation. A different tax bracket too. Exactly. Like even even if you go to different states, they're in different tax laws. So you go to Florida where it's a no income tax state. Imagine now you get an extra 13% here, whatever the tax bracket is, depending on what you're making, right? Like it, it, it's tough. We compare ourselves to other people a lot more than I think we should, as opposed to focusing on things we can control. Mm. You know what I mean? I can't control the fact that somebody in California born to a rich family is going to have certain things that I don't, I, yeah. I can't control that. What I can do is I control my circle, my surroundings here, my investments, the strategy that I use, the mentors I keep around, possibly who I'm in contact with. Um, Alon, who, who we discussed, yeah. we grew up, uh, some guys that we know all playing together. Absolute, uh, like, I don't know how to say it other than a beautiful man. You know what I mean? Like, help me through so much. Shout out Alon Bras. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like, you know, these are, these are important things I think a lot of people take for granted because we think we're young for guys, especially, you know, we want to party. We want, you know, trying to look good. You're trying to look good, and you want to look good because you're trying to attract people or whatever, yeah. you, for whatever reason. But I think a lot of our priorities are a little bit mixed up. Yeah. Um, but then again, also, like, we're young. It's going to happen. You it's, know what I mean? It's hard yeah. to resist all of it. It is. Uh, it is. It's a talent to resist all of it. It I really think. is. You know, I think if you can, especially in a big city, be here and be level-headed, you know, just staying in that, you know, that little zone where you're not too high, not too low, you're not looking peripherally at everybody else, you just stay in that a skill in itself it yeah. is yeah it is, it is skill that, that's a dime a dozen and speaking on like just image and like uh performance because i think a lot of times what, what happens is that people get caught up in looking the part than actually being the part mm, absolutely on i think it's it's tough because i don't want to just throw any uh, any accusation but i'm gonna say what i have to say because you know when it starts like that it's the people like you were just mentioning the, the gucci belts the designer don't get me wrong i like wearing my designer and whatnot i like mm -hmm. that too but i think when you are so caught up in looking the part those are the usually the individuals are the, that are the brokest financially and not even financially but mentally as well too because sometimes what happens is like they're using this materialistic things to cover up some other issues or something that they they might be hiding some you know, shortcomings. Mm -hmm. a shortcoming, yeah. Because I mean, at the end of the day, when you take off those those clothes and materials, like, you got to look in the mirror and face that that fact, right? Absolutely. So that that's something that's uh, it's very common. And I'll say it again: like I like wearing nice clothes. I like mm -hmm. you know we, we all, all do. We all we do. All do. We all like we wearing all some nice do. shit, right? So but yeah. I think it's it's also like you know staying within your means. I, I'll tell you personally, one of the toughest. It shouldn't have been a tough decision, but it was an extremely tough decision for me. Was after you know I opened the shops. We get some other businesses going. Obviously, I talked to you guys a little bit. I can't say, but like with expansion down in the States yeah. and everything like that, some things that we have coming. Um, and I had to go get a new car. And now, what do I do? 27-year-old mm. guy. <laughs> yeah, a lot of pressures. Well, yeah, a lot of social. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Do I go for the Mercedes? Do I go for the Beamer? Do I go for a foreign car? Because, you know, foreign car. The whole yeah. I went to go get a Honda Accord. 350 bucks a month. Cheap. I can give it back at any time. That was one of the things that you I got it under course. your corporation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My condo under the corporation. Yeah, really? Shit, that's yeah, right. absolutely. Oh, shit. absolutely. Shit. Don't put nothing in my name. And, yeah. that, and for on that, it's you like you got it when you understand the game you're playing in. It's much easier to navigate. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know what what may what may look hard on the outside looking in the only barrier is that little bit of information knowing that you can put that car on your business as an expense is like oh shit you know you're one step ahead of the game one step ahead of the game and then those small little bits and pieces of information when you apply them they result a big big returns big yeah. wins because now you're putting in a position where you're like okay now we're expanding yeah and now i'm saving money here and this stuff's an, an expense you know it, it, it's all connected so why do you why is like financial literacy such an uncommon thing among our generation like a lot of people are financially illiterate everybody wants to get rich quick mm. absolutely I, I remember they did an interview once i believe it was on uncommon knowledge that was a big show back i believe in like the 80s and 90s um and they asked warren buffett you know your your investment strategy is so simple why doesn't everybody do it and he said because nobody wants to get rich over time mm-hmm. everybody wants to get rich quick you know why do why do people and and it usually is lower income areas that play the lottery the most yeah yeah that's crazy why yeah these are people who you would think have less disposable income right things they could be putting into other things but they're playing the lottery everything's instant it's that instant, instant culture. It's an instant gratification, yeah. which is why we buy things. This is why when, you know, we feel bad, we online shop or, or you have people, you know, people, <laughs> yeah. they binge eat when they feel bad, right? Yeah. And these are temporary feelings, temporary feelings, right? Like I've, I've always tried to focus on like, you know, kind of like a snowball effect where listen, yes, we're small in the beginning, natural. As that ball keeps rolling, it's going to get bigger and bigger. You know what I mean? The first million, they say, is the hardest to make. Mm-hmm. After yeah. that, your money just makes money for yourself. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it, it's just one of those things where I think social media, uh, peer pressure, you know, the, the things that we value, you know, music industries, the athletes that we all look up to. Did you say school is one of them too as well? And education? Huge. Huge. But you got to remember also, school is built to make you a worker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not an entrepreneur. That is a big fact. You know what I mean? From the from the moment you begin school, you are taught to sit at your desk, listen to what the teacher has to say, mm-hmm. do your work, you get your lunch break, you get your two recesses, go home. We'll see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And we'll give you Saturday, Sunday off. It's, it's a revolving door from school up until later on. It's only now, and thankfully, like, great, I've seen, I think it was the... Canadian government started with uh, coding in the first grade. Yeah. Wow. Uh, financial literacy starting for kids. Great. Yeah. Like we need more of it. You nice. know what I mean? Get these kids into the newer industries, technology, coding, all this stuff. Like we got to do it. We have, we have to do it. And what, I think you go. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask you a question. What made you get into business? What was it for you that was like, okay. Cause everybody, I think some people are either born entrepreneurs, you know, they're hustling from young age, whatever. Some people go through the education system, work, and then get fed up with, you know, the, the ninth and the five life and say, okay, I'm going to go into business for myself. Mm-hmm. Some people just kind of along the way have an epiphany. Stumble into yeah. It, yeah. What, what was it for you? I think it's a, like a little collaboration of things. I, I've been very fortunate to have people around me who do well in business. You know, my mother has her own business that she runs. Um, my aunt <clears throat> worked for Barrick, one of the largest companies in the she was a director there now she's at magna so I've, I've had really good influences around me my dad was strict as hell and i'm sure you've heard yeah, the I jokes of how he was at basketball yeah, yeah. games what's your uh, what's your background croatian oh yeah so my dad born over there in the military you know yeah. I was here before the war everything like that and like i remember i was in the eighth grade we were not eighth grade we we're canadian national champions basketball this is uh bjcc this was bjcc canadian yeah shout out y'all guys man what age group 93 
Yeah, ninety three. Oh, yeah, yeah, so you guys we're good. So we're in the we're in the eighth grade, right? National champions, destroying it. I came home with more B's than A's on a report card. I did not play. Wow. My dad took me out of sports. Mm. Said when you get that next report card with more A's, you can go play. Like these these are things that I'm definitely gonna push on to my children. Because mm. now looking back, I see the value in it. School is one thing I always fought with my dad with. Mm. Right, but you got like he grew up in a socialist country, so yeah. you know he kind of sees what the impacts of not being educated and not knowing history. You know that's why my greatest things that I enjoy are really history, politics. Yeah, my two biggest things, because I see the value in if you understand history, you can almost kind of tell a little bit as to what's to come. Mm. Did um, your dad play ball? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, yeah but it yeah. wasn't more like that. You know, he's the one who taught me how to throw the elbows around. Like <laughs> the yeah. other guys do. But for me, I know the thing that really got me into it was I was in a really bad injury at Western. Um, I was on the incline bench, bench snapped. Ooh, yeah. So I'm in a neck brace, restrained to the couch for six months. I had an open prescription of oxycody, oxycodone, two pills every four hours. So I was doing about eight pills a day Holy of oxy, and it was kind of there when I'm. Lying on the couch, and I, when I thought, listen, if I had a regular nine to five right now, I'm done. Yeah, you yeah. cooked. 100%. No money coming in. You know what I mean? Like, no benefits if you work for yourself, especially mm-hmm. too, right? So that was kind of one of the things that pushed me towards it. And then I, you know, with my manager at the shop, he was my barber at the time, put together a little plan, got started there, and we got the ball rolling from there. But yeah, every, everybody's kind of got their own journey. You know what I mean? I think some people are. I don't want to say born for it, but have a little more of a knack for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? They pick up on things, you know, your communication skills, I think, are huge. Absolutely. And that's one of the things, even like we yeah. were talking about with the gaming, I think it might hurt some of these kids. 100%. Right? Like, I didn't have uh, Xbox or anything mm. until, like, I was in seventh grade, eighth grade. Mm. You know what I mean? I didn't have a cell phone until the summer before ninth grade. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Right? And I told him, yeah. you can guarantee my kid will not have a cell phone <laughs> until he yo, is pulling it to high school. That's going to be tough, though, to implement that like going forward. Like I, Our generation, I, is it's so reliant on technology, right? I had a PlayStation growing up, but my parents said, you know, you're not allowed to play this thing on weekdays. So they had, they had restrictions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had restrictions. Yeah, you yeah. know, it wasn't like... The PlayStation's in my room. I didn't have, even have a TV in my room. We had the PlayStation. Yeah. It's in the living room. Not, doesn't get touched during weekdays. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I think Honestly, I think that might be even a better idea. Mm-hmm. Because I think it teaches you that even though it's there, prioritize. Yeah. Right? You have it here. You have access to it. But you got work to do. Mm-hmm. You finish your work, then you can go. You know what I mean? Like you have some free time on the weekend. Okay, you yeah. can play. But during the week, mm-hmm. it's hustle time. Yeah, it's about distractions too. In life, we Absolutely. all see distractions, right? But it's about knowing. Okay, just piggyback off what you're saying. Like this needs to get taken care of first, and then that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think like distractions in life, I think really shape us as men, because we're all going to get distracted. We we might go down a wrong path, but at the end of the day, it's like, what did we learn from that? And like, if you can't resist distractions, who are you then? What type, of, what type of men will you be? That's discipline. Yeah. I was on discipline, right? I think, uh, I think everybody has their vices, but you can't let those vices derail you. You know, you yeah. dabble in them once in a while. You know, treat yourself. Yeah, but yeah, every, yeah. you know, I think that's like you know, I had a guy when I was playing ball. He used to tell me three things. He said three things throw off every you know athlete: women, drugs, gambling. You know, some guys that da- like dive into all three. I might have to delete Bet365 soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking. You know, yeah. dabble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dabble, you know. And, and we, we all have our vices. Yeah, That's normal. You're always yeah. going to have it. it. It's just you, you need to be able to control them, not them control you. Mm. Yeah. Right. And, and and that's the big one. So, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, but there's some. There's one thing you touched on is uh, some people have a knack for being entrepreneurs or businessmen. How do you think? How do you think people, if they do have that knack, how do they channel it appropriately? You know, because sometimes people might be stuck at their nine to five. Maybe somebody that that's listening to this right now, you know, they have a job that they don't like. You know, they're waiting for some sort of sign or something. What do you think, you know, feeds into that knack, to, into that? I think a big part of it, um, and this is by no means my train of thought. I kind of took it from Tony Robbins of all people. Um, but he kind of really stressing the importance of your why. Mm-hmm. You know, the how, Crucial. that can change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? You may think this is one way to do it. Something comes in there, derails the plan. You need a new how. Right? But the why, that needs to stay the same. Like, I look at it, so my mother lost both of her parents by the age of 11. My dad, um, from socialist country after the war, the whole works in the military, came here. My why is a big part for them. I know what they've sacrificed. Like, I grew I grew up for a little bit there, a couple of years almost, at my grandmother's house, right? Dad worked really late. My mom traveled to the States Monday to Friday. I see her on the weekends, mm-hmm. right? So when I see everything that kind of they've gone through, those are the inspirations of the people that I want to retire, and that's my why. Until they, until I retire them, yeah, I have not accomplished what I need to accomplish. Mm-hmm. But I think everybody has their own why, and finding that why is the most important. Because once you have that, everything else you'll kind of figure out a way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The how might change. Something comes up. I got to make an adjustment here or there, or whatnot. But as long as you have that why, I think that's extremely important. The why is super important. And and to piggyback on what you just said about, you know, your parents came here. For you, Absolutely. at the end of the day, right? So, with that being said, if your parents come here for your child to give them an opportunity to take advantage of, you know, Canada's free trade, right? Your freedom of speech, you have all these. We talked about in the last yeah, episode. Yeah. You have all these... Freedoms. Freedoms that in every other country, you might get beheaded, you might get tortured, you might get thrown <laughs> in jail like for, for, for doing half of the things that, you know, we're, we're trying to do out here. So, sometimes... In order to put that thing into perspective, you need to go and see how other people live in other places. And then you realize, oh, shoot, I've got a, an abundance of opportunity in front of me, like the Absolutely. freedom to do whatever. You know, I don't think my parents didn't come here for me to go and work for another man. They came here so that I could, you know, see what's going on in this country, take full advantage of it. I think a lot of it has to do with perspective as well. You know? and, and, and just to touch exactly on what you said, some of the biggest influences that i've had has been through traveling like i remember when i went through central america and panama go see how people live there mm-hmm. go see how what poverty means in panama or um haitians in the dominican republic working on the um, um sugarcane plantations fields right see how people live see the struggles that some people have and you will never take for granted the situation you're in that's the reason why when we were outside and you said you know how you've been dealing with everything i said listen yeah. i got a roof over my head and I got food on the table. These are two things that a lot of people do not have right now. You're blessed. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So seeing those things only motivates you and pushes you to work harder. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, my parents didn't come here for me to F around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I would look at it as being disrespectful to them if I didn't take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Everything is, yeah, everything is in context. Um, I'm big on traveling too. I'm big on it just simply because it opens your mind up to things that you wouldn't have seen before. Um, and like, I'm, I'm so big on like, like where you're from going back to like your, 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 you know, your native country, seeing, seeing their ways of life. Cause, um, you see some shit, you're like, damn, it kind of opens your eyes up in a bit. And I think 
not taking advantage like not taking advantage of the opportunities that you have here in a sense i don't want to call it disrespectful but it just do- it does yourself a disservice because you see we see our parents you see the grind that they went through and to not kind of take advantage of the opportunities we have here it's it's disrespectful it's disrespectful, it is disrespectful. But so if you don't know what's outside how could you how could you mean yeah how could you context yeah right i now. think up until now america is the has been America is the capital of the free world. You know, it's like everything that's business, money, you know, entertainment, everything is... It's capitalism to the max. Yeah, yeah. America has Absolutely. been that. Yeah, you know, so I think what we're seeing right now is America's dysfunction catching up to it. You know, uh, I think it had a good... They had a good job of uh, masking what's wrong with the country for a long time with... You know, when you have money, when you have access to resources, you know, you have people in positions of power, you can put them as a forefront, as a face, whatever's going on behind the scenes is whatever. But now everything's kind of bubbled, 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 comes to the surface. I think we're seeing a shift similar to kind of like the Industrial Revolution, you know, where business is slowly, slowly starting to change. Big, 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 big corporations aren't going to have the same power they once used to have. Small business owners, small entrepreneurs, people who are on the ground doing a lot of the work to build these, you know, empires themselves are going to see it's a lot more easier, you know, low interest rates, right? Um, big companies can't really have positions in malls anymore. It's going to open up a lot of opportunities for expansion. It's going to open up a lot of opportunities for creators to put themselves in other places. So I think we're seeing an interesting shift in what it means to be an entrepreneur fair in in terms of entrepreneur for sure i I think that um but elaborate for me a little bit what you mean in terms of like big businesses are losing power when i say big business is losing power i i I, i'm focusing more on uh advertising and stuff in a sense you know a lot of big companies like the mba um you know coca-cola these companies get their message out through advertising advertising is a I don't know the number, you know, but a lot of their money is spent on marketing, Mm -hmm. you know. So if television isn't what it used to be anymore, right, how are you reaching your consumer? But but this is then where I'm not sure if you guys have seen the social dilemma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So this is where the forums in which advertising is done are changing. Mm -hmm. Right. So even though maybe television advertising may not be what it once was, for example, I think the biggest one that's probably changed over the generation. Radio, radio, yeah, right? yeah. Back in the day, radio advertising was probably number it's one, big, yeah, right. And now you're looking more towards clickbait ads, right? Instagram, Facebook, mm-hmm. like these are the type of ads that that these big companies are going towards. And like Social Dilemma kind of touched on, they have all your data that they will push to you what you like, and also what you really don't like to try to get that reaction out. How many times have you looked up something on your laptop, you open up your Instagram, and there's an ad for it? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's scary. It's, mm-hmm. it's scary. It is a little mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. It is Very absolutely scary. a little scary, Very right? Scary. But this is where I think that I, I would differ than you in my opinion, where I think that um, the large companies are becoming larger and more powerful. So, for example, even if we look at with the election right now with Twitter, Twitter had that really big scandal over the um, Hunter Biden, uh, the email yeah, thing yeah. on that laptop, right? And... Twitter banned the New York Post. I heard about that, yeah. This is the fourth largest newspaper company in the country. Mm-hmm. And it is banned from a social media platform. And that's very dangerous because... Extremely. Because 
the New York Post is a established. They have protocols. The people that work for them are not just. It's not some Joe Schmo. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you know, yeah, the made in so yeah. that's very dangerous. It sends a very dangerous message, mm-hmm. you know, because what what is the reasoning that you banned a incredible, a credible, if not one of the most? I think the New York Post, New York Post, New York Times. I believe it was the New York. Oh, I might be getting this wrong. I think it was the New York Post actually. The New York Post is very, very right. It, I know it's very. Yeah, it's, they're, it's, both. they're both. They're both. Yeah. yeah. But still, it's very dangerous because now you're allowing, you know, what's what's is there a metric where you measure how credible somebody is? is it because oh, is it because they're spreading misinformation? Because a lot of media spreads misinformation. Absolutely. Right. It's bias. It's, it's in that, but the methodology of how they're getting this information is what's key. I think the best was uh, if you've seen Denzel. Washington was interviewed once and they asked him about it and he said, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you don't watch the news, you're uninformed. And if you watch the news, you're misinformed. Mm. We're in a tough spot here. You know what I mean? I think one of the things for me, freedom of speech to me is the most important. Like that is number one. And the moment we start limiting speech or limiting people's ability to speak, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? We really start playing with a slippery slope here. And this is where I say understanding history is extremely important because also like the whole rise in the U.S., especially of like this idea of socialism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't think people really understand exactly what they're asking for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Socialism has not worked in the history of the world anywhere. Like It, it has not. It probably has as many more bodies to it than capitalism does. We saw, I said the other day, not the Nazis were socialists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. socialist regime, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, would argue, I would argue example. that they were yeah, fascist, <laughs> Christian socialists as yeah. well. Like, it, they were very rooted in religion. That's a whole other yeah. topic, I'm sure. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like, it, it, it is. There's, if you look at the USSR, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You have 100 million people die in the Ukraine from famine as a result. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Through through many places that you go to, this stuff happens. You look at the breakup of Yugoslavia. It used to be uh, Yugoslavska Socialista Republika, right? The Socialist Republic of Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. How many people died for during during ethnic cleansing? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I think we got to watch the can of worms that we're opening when we start asking for some of these things. Well, another thing is two things because there's a lot to unpack there. One, you know, when we say socialism, right? A lot of countries execute socialism in many, many, many different ways. Absolutely. You know, when we look at Canada, some would look at Canada and say, oh, that's a very socialist country. Some would say Canada's a very capitalist country because they have socialist, like universal health care is a socialist policy, policy, right? But, you know, free trade and stuff like that, that's a capitalist policy. So I think, you know, the whole right-left thing has totally polarized everything where People are like, oh, okay, abolitionists, right? Socially, like socialism, and you know, we got to break down this and dismantle that. And there's some weight to what they're saying with like things about, you know, police needs reform and stuff like that. And, you know, but the status quo is a status quo for a reason. And there's some systems in place that need to be, like, I, I'm a big fan of capitalism. I think capitalism is essential to contributing to the economies i think it's essential to growth you know is there some slave labor that happens yeah there's a lot i mean we all have iphones <laughs> you know what i'm saying you know there's no real answer to doing capitalist the 
right way. There's conscious capitalism, right? You pay everybody your fair wage and stuff, right? So the problems with 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 socialism, capitalism, whatever, they're always going to be there. There's always going to be someone that's going to say, oh, this is being done wrong, right? The problem is, who's the person saying it? And it's always, which brings me to my second point, is accountability, right? Accountability, when you're saying, you know, if Twitter is telling this, this you know, publication, this, this, this media company that, you know, they've banned them, when they, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram has a history of banning a lot of people that have some dangerous far-right freedom of speech, but in that process have banned a lot of people who have been spreading positive messages or misconstrued yeah. messages, yeah. right? So when companies do things like that, you take accountability away from the user, right? Because nobody's checking the individual to say, what are you consuming? Or what are you choosing to consume? What are you choosing to believe, right? And and and, and this is where I, I kind of go to that, the dangers of socialism, what we were talking with the accountability, because my biggest issue with socialism is I think it's predicated on this ideology of I exist, therefore I deserve. Mm. And I'm completely against that. Like, mm. and I, I agree, like, okay, so... Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, universal healthcare. Also, these are socialist ideals, kind of thing. But um, there are certain things where I think we need to place personal agency ahead of everything. You know what I mean? A- and we shouldn't be stigmatizing certain things like that. Like mm. In a, in a lot of communities, um, like for example, like education. You know what I mean? Like kids shouldn't be getting teased in school for being smart. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, th- these are things that, as a society and as a culture, we need to be almost pushing among our people and. I don't know. I just I'm not a I'm not a proponent for socialism. I I understand its value in maybe certain areas, but overall as a system, I don't think it works in any society. Over time. I think the issue with socialism itself too, as well, is it places everyone on the same playing the field. same playing field where it doesn't merit or value your talents or your work in a sense. Where because you're all on the same playing field, just because you're all on the same level, it's like you like you're just saying I don't have to work for what I want. But like you, you can't compare a doctor to a I'm going to sound like a, like, a, like a jackass, but you can't compare a doctor and say someone that works at McDonald's and say their contribution to society is the same. Mm-hmm. And what socialism does is it places them all on the same the same level. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a supporter of having one political ideology because it, it won't work. Mm-hmm. I think the perfect system has a mix of multiple yeah. political ideologies. And I think Canada is I one agree. Of them. Yeah, Canada, you know I think, yeah. Healthcare, I think healthcare should be accessible to everybody. You know, I think, you know, Education should be accessible to everybody. I don't think everybody's contribution to society is the same, you know? No. I think, you know, if you contribute jobs, you know, I think if you contribute growth to the economy, you know, when people complain about how, one, Donald Trump didn't pay any taxes, I say, yo, he knows the game he's playing in. He's He's not a worker. Hell, Warren Buffett said he pays less taxes than his secretary. Crazy. How? He knows but the game he's yeah, playing exactly. in. Exactly, he knows the game. You know, yeah. and that comes down to the accountability part. If you know the game you're playing in, you can take right? advantage. If, of if I'm game. playing, like the same people, I'll compare this. I'll make a basketball analogy out of this. You talk to some people. People don't like James Harden. They're like, oh, he draws so many fouls. He's, he's, he's annoying to watch. So yeah, it might be annoying to watch, but he's a genius because that guy went and understood the game he's playing in from a referee's perspective. 
so that it would be advantageous to him. So now he knows that you put that arm on him, he's going to draw a foul. Because mm. one, you're not allowed to put your arm on him. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. And two, he understands the game he's playing in. That's why he averages 35 points a game. You know, it's the same thing with money and tax, tax laws. And, and, you know, so when people... Like, oh, go ahead. So I was going to say, and I feel like that, that applies almost to how people view now when you look at the economy, right? Like, they don't have the ability, let's say, to do like what a James Harden does in the NBA, so they perceive it to be unfair, <laughs> right? And where it, it's not necessarily a question of unfairness, it's a question of, you know, this person has the understanding, the knowledge of how the system works necessarily, and they can use it to their benefit. He's not doing anything that you can't possibly do. And now, granted, we're not all going to have the same opportunities. It just won't. I don't have the same opportunities as, let's say, Elon Musk kids, mm -hmm. right? They might be smarter than me already. I don't even know how old they are. Maybe 12 years old. They could possibly be smarter than me. I will not have the same opportunities as them. You know what I mean? But that does not necessarily mean that the system is inherently unfair. Like, there's a lot of personal agency that I need to take into account for myself mm. to make the best yeah. of my situation, to bring myself up and to, you know, break into, let's say, another tax bracket, another level or something. So... This is just where, like you said, again, with the accountability, it's it's why I place the most importance on that. Liberty and personal agency, to me, are the most important above all, and they have to come first in a society. Mm -hmm. The other things we can work out afterwards, and we'll make adjustments as we go, because we're not going to get everything right. I think that's the one thing that, that people view at history wrongly, and it, it really kills me. Everybody looks at history when these things happen from the victim's position, as if they would have done better in a certain situation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's why we say hindsight is always twenty twenty. There's um, there's actually a great book. It's uh, it's by, uh, oh my goodness, Christopher Bishop, I believe. It's called Ordinary Man. And he goes through literally how uh, German officers, they were part of the uh, 101 unit, they went to Poland during World War II. And these were regular officers, right? They're already of age, so they hadn't been indoctrinated like Hitler camps or anything like that and regular doctors who in situations did uns regular sorry doctors regular policemen who in situations did unspeakable things and we have to understand that we have to almost i don't want to say for like yeah we have to kind of almost forgive ourselves for some of our shortcomings as a society and hope that the future will sorry we have to forgive the past for some of their faults hope the future forgives us as long as we're all striving to make things better well that's why history is important that's why, like, there has to be an emphasis on accurately depicting history so that when you know what went down in 1942, you're not condemned to repeat it, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, I think, you know, you shouldn't honor people who were monsters back then, 100%, but you should not wipe away the history of what they've done because that history... If we don't, you know, consciously take it in and consciously repeat. acknowledge it, we repeat it. Yeah, you know, absolutely, it, yeah. Bound absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's 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 a lot to unpack. It's it's deep. You know, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. We're we're touching on a lot of points here: <laughs> politics, <laughs> history, lot, society. But, but yeah, we're we're touching on a lot there. I think I want to touch back on accountability and how it's so important because we're in a society now too where it's easier to finger point. It's easier to look at the person across the room and say, "No, it's your fault, not mine." Mm -hmm. And when you when you take that step and noticing that my situation right now, where I am in, in, in life is my fault. It's not not even my fault, but it's because of the, the choices that I've made. 
I think that makes all the difference right there. Mm. When you learn to take accountability, it's like, okay, something goes wrong. No, that's on me. And you're able to address it firsthand rather than pointing fingers. Because at the end of the day, what does pointing fingers do? Mm. But see, but this is why I think I think people kind of hesitate. Not that they hesitate to it, but the reason why it doesn't take place as much is because we assume that we're victim blaming if we do that. Mm. Right? If we put mm. a reliance on personal agency, it's almost like we're making it their fault. And this is where I think people pull back. Right? It, I, I believe it's 100% true. Personal agency is a huge point. But if you have a culture where you're almost victimizing groups or, you know what I mean, if you're, if you're trying to almost tell people that they can't do it before they even start, they're not even going to try. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's, that's dangerous. That's why I'm very kind of strong in the capitalism area because I believe that with that personal agency, you can move over. Free will, yes, yeah. we have mm-hmm. we have the most liquid mobility between the classes. You know what I mean? And the thing I think that people misunderstand a lot is even when you look at the 1%, the 1% this year will not be the 1%, all of them, mm-hmm. will not be in the 1% in five years. You know what I mean? If I sell my house, or my condo, let's say I sell my condo, doesn't matter what it's valued at, whatever, but I sell my condo, I make a good chunk of change. That year, I'm going to be in an income bracket of a percentage that I will not be in next year, mm-hmm. right? You move throughout them. And what essentially we're trying to do is just give ourselves the best chance to move throughout them. And it all comes down to personal agency, mm-hmm. right? That, that's the big one for me. I want to piggyback on both um, both of your points. I think that at the end of the day, you are the sum of your decisions. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. If... if Today, I say I don't like the way my life has turned out. I feel like I haven't gotten what I deserved. I can also make the decision to make some better decisions so that tomorrow I'm not in the same place I am today. That takes that agency, accountability, and awareness, right? And to piggyback on that, and what you were saying is that, you know, we're seeing that very easily a, a certain combination of decisions can put you in that millionaire status rather quickly. At the same time, a couple of wrong decisions can have you from a millionaire to broke, right? So there's a lot of mobility. There's a lot of fluidity, you know, and it's just, it's it's all about the decisions. And it's easier to, I'm going to highlight something that you said. It's easier to, to make shit decisions than it is to make good ones. Much easier. It's oh, usually the trash decisions that are the most convenient for us. Absolutely. And I, and I know um, Ben Shapiro, uh, he's got his own calm. I don't agree with all the things he said, but he, he discussed one topic, actually, I believe it was a study by the University of Washington that looked at uh, criteria to move from lower lower poverty levels into lower middle class, right? And um, I believe that it, w- it was up upwards in the 90 percentile that if you finish high school, get any job, and hold off having children till you're married, over 90% of people will elevate into lower middle class, right? So it's not like we don't know how to do these things. It's just that it may not be easy. And I'm not taking at all away the fact that some people are born into circumstances that make things extremely difficult at no fault of their own, mm-hmm. at absolutely no fault of their own. But hoping for somebody to step in and pull you out is not realistic. You, this is as unfair as it may be. And we all have unfairnesses in our lives. You know, some people may have more than others, 100%. But it's that personal agency that dictates you getting out of that unfairness. Mm-hmm. Not wishing that, you know, someone's going to pull out. I remember reading somewhere once um, that it's like 40% of Americans just believe they're going to wake up rich one day. <laughs> Why do you think the lotto's still a thing? 
But th- th- that's what I'm saying. Like, that's absurd. That, that, that's funny. That, that is absurd. No, that's, some, like, that's on some real shit. Yeah. Everyone thinks they're, the, they're going to be the one to, to to hit that, you know, that bag. That's that, that jackpot. It's but insane. But it takes, it takes, like, I actually read a book last summer. It's called The Millionaire Next Door. It's this guy, he basically, he does a study, like a, a qualitative and quantitative study. I think 100 millionaires, like everyday millionaires. And just try to pin down the trends of these millionaires. And one of the things he found was like most of them drive, you know, like Japanese cars, affordable cars. They marry, you know, women that are good with money, right? Um, oh, not just the Instagram girl that's looking bad. <laughs> you with know the what I'm whole saying? World. Oh, not those. Ones. Not just those. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I thought that's what they all go to Miami. You're about to go to Miami. You should know that. You're about to go to Miami. You should know that. Miami's dangerous. You know, education was one thing. You know, a lot of them were educated. And it's just like it, it's pulling like the trends and the things that made these guys millionaires, what kind of work they did. You know, it was a really interesting book. It was written as like a study. Yeah. Sense, you know what I'm saying? I was going to say, and I, and I think one of the things, too, is I think a lot of people are afraid to fail. And where you got to keep in mind, like, this time now, our 20s, this is when we should be taking the most risk. 100%. Once you get have kids, you have a wife, you have responsibilities now, you mm. can't necessarily take the risk that you could have took before. Then it's we, not me. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So this is that time, and this is why I say it's, it, it's sad that we're so entrenched in this social media era where we want to look good as opposed to building for our 30s you know what i mean or in our 30s building now for our 40s and then retirement onward right so yeah it, it, we're, we're in a tough position i think this is one of the hardest eras one of the most opportunistic and luxurious eras but also one of the hardest eras you know what i mean I, I i laugh i saw the thing when when somebody asked you know if if aliens came to earth right now and they asked what's the most tragic thing about society <laughs> somebody would say at the at your fingertips you have access to all the knowledge in the world but we spend time on it looking at memes of cats. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. Like, it really is yeah, true. Yeah. You have the entire world's knowledge at your fingertips. And we're messing around on IG five hours a day. <laughs> hey, like we've, we've been it's here bad, before, you so are what you eat. Absolutely. And that's not even just physically. It's what you, in, like, mentally and what you consume on a daily basis. Like, I'm, that's why I'm such, like, a, an advocate for reading. Just doing research Touched on things on that you perfectly. don't know on it, but like, I'm a big reader, man. You know, I think you can find huge. a book on anything, anything you're interested Facts. in. You know? Facts. But that's so. the thing. If you ask people in our age group here, let's say mid to late twenties, how many books you read in a year? Hmm. <laughs> ask them how many books they have in their house. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it, that's, that's an issue, yeah. It's an issue. And it's yeah. also I think it has a lot to do with the habits you developed growing up. You know, I I mean I'm very I was very fortunate that like my parents spent a lot of time with me when I was young, making me read, putting books in my hand. And even though, like, in high school I got away from that, when I became an adult, like, I came back into that. You know, a lot of people don't have that foundation of, of how to learn or, or, you know, those healthy habits that might escape you for a little bit but are really true to who you are at the core, you know. So, uh, you know, parenting comes into into it a lot. You know, a lot of times... You know, if kids born, mothers got shitty habits, might have shitty habits too. You know, it comes back right back down to accountability. Absolutely, and I, and I think that's one of the things with we're born in a very unique era where the concept of family has drastically changed. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you look yeah. at single motherhood rates, mm-hmm. like 
these these are huge and and that's even and like i'm not even breaking this down by you know ethnicity or culture like that is across the board mm-hmm. single motherhood rates are up mm-hmm. you know what i mean the the idea of family the idea of how many kids do you think growing up now dinner table no phones everybody mm-hmm. eats dinner together you know what i mean like that was a constant if you go back two three decades ago mm-hmm. right that doesn't really exist now like i when i was growing up my dad did not even let the tv on while dinner's eating yeah we yeah. sit there we talk yeah. this is family time right TV's off. We didn't have phones at that time, right? But, like, that's what I'm saying. This is one of those tough things, tough eras where... Transition. As connected as we are... Disconnected. disconnected. We're still disconnected. But that's why I'm so big on, like, restrictions and accountability. Because you're talking about, like, having a, like when you have a family, you're not going to allow them to play PS5 for five, Hell six, no. seven hours of the day. You know what I'm saying? And it's detrimental in a sense, mm-hmm. you know? But I'm going to flip this around again. Because speaking of PS5... we're going into an age now where ea leagues and and um just basically systems where people can play on them it's you can make some lucrative money out of it Mm. right so i mean it's not it doesn't have the same outlook as it was 10 20 years ago because before it was just an it is for entertainment purposes right Mm -hmm. you play your ps3 or ps4 just to let off some steam or to you know make a new high score in grand theft auto Nowadays, there's people that were actually making a bag off this, that are signing contracts, that are making some serious cash. So, I mean, to kind of put it into perspective, when we have kids, would you guys allow them to have, you know, that three, four, five hours of playing time because maybe they're very passionate about it? Or is it kind of that, no, let me put that restriction on because, you know, you got to focus on other things? Well, for me, whatever my kid wants to do, let him do, let him experiment. But eventually, he's going to have to think about the one thing he wants to excel in. And I think that's what's important is that you make that choice that this is what I want to do. Because I think one thing that we don't really do, and I don't think any people talk about this enough, is we don't make the choice to say, this is what I want to do. We kind of float all eggs we exist. Yeah, we put the eggs in different. I like to put the yeah, eggs in different baskets. Yeah. If you're choosing to do so with intent, what's that phrase you always say? What's that? Uh, jack of all. Jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's important to like you know whether you're playing basketball, right? If you know you can be a professional basketball player, have you made that choice to be a professional basketball player? Because when you consciously choose to do something. The decisions that follow that are easy because you've made made the initial choice to say, "Oh, this is what I'm gonna do." See, see, so I would say, like, my my view on it is slightly different from yours. Um, so I come from a very kind of like traditional European family, right? So we were brought up kind of in that, especially with my father. Keep in mind, to this day, that man is bigger than me. Mm-hmm. To this day, like he calls me, <laughs> no, I'm not joking. Like he yeah, calls me shorty. Mm-hmm. To yeah, this yeah. day, that's crazy. You know what I mean? And and like I said, he was in the military before, so it's not like I'm fighting my dad. You know, I believe I, I know I'm white, but there was no cussing in the mm-hmm. house. There was none of that stuff. You know, um, and the mentality, or at least how I was raised, was while you're under my house, you're gonna do what I say, mm-hmm. right? Until you become a man and you can take care of yourself, like there are gonna be certain rules. There are gonna be certain things like mathematics. Mm-hmm. It's not an option. Like, I literally had a sheet of multiplication tables from 1 all the way up to 10. And I was told, until you memorize them, you will not be coming out of your room after dinner. Mm-hmm. Like, these are things that, you know, I, ex- I don't get me wrong, at the time, I hated. Like, I'd be up in there in my room, yeah. in my head, cussing them out as much as I could, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But but they're absolutely beneficial mm-hmm. now. You know what I mean? Like, I've been to the cash register before. You're paying for something. When the machines are down, 
we can't get you your change. You can make it happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, come it's on, crazy, you know yeah. what I mean? So, like, I, at least I know for myself, when I have kids, and, and sure, we all, you know, we, um, we project how we're going to be and everything. It could very easily It'll change, change when yeah, we yeah, actually it, have kids. We can say something now. Yeah, it, it could yeah, very yeah, easily yeah. change yeah. when Especially we see Especially if them. that woman is different. Exactly. My mentality now, I'm going to try and do everything that I can to give them the best opportunity to succeed. So, that just means education, language. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The yeah. reason why I would value sports over like these games and everything like that is because number one with sports, you're being physically active. Yep. Something that a lot of kids are not these days. Why obesity rates are out the roof. Yeah. You're learning to interact face to face with people. And that's huge. Huge. Yeah. I want to touch on that. We've all been played. We all play sports. We're all hoopers at some point. And it's like the, the power of sports and the benefits it has for us as just being men today is astronomical. Mm-hmm. Communication skills, working with others. Knowing how to come back after a loss, being resilient. Those are skills that you can't I mean, maybe sure you can get taught in video games, but it's it's not as uh it's not as impactful. No, you don't learn that stuff in video games. You, don't <laughs> you never know that? No, ever? no, you don't learn it. You never try to get past a level or do you like you just couldn't and then when do you got you got past it? I don't know, man. I see a lot of kids that play two K and, and, and put the game sliders on. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know what I'm like, but like on, yeah. on some on some real like like I think that those skills are like you just you can't get taught it unless you've lived or been mm-hmm. through it, and that's why like just sports in general is it's big for me too. So sports is big, man. Yeah. I think you know the thing about sports is one that camaraderie you, you you develop. You got a bunch of guys going for the same goal. You know, you got to wake up, get your training in. You know, it's it's a it's a long game. The numbers of of winning a championship are pretty much impossible you know if you really crunch the numbers and the probability of it but there's that commitment and it's like you know this is the goal we're all working towards it we all have to chip into that we all have to hold ourselves accountable you don't learn that anywhere else and and one of the big things i'd even add on to that is what i what i always loved about sports growing up and why i think it's so good for kids to be in them young especially multiple different sports is there, there's no excuses. The best man wins or yeah. woman. The best man or woman wins. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, oh, his dad paid for this. No, nope. no, the best man or woman wins, and that's why I think all of us love sports, even if we don't play anymore. It's why we love sports because we're watching the best of the best. There's no mm-hmm. politicking. There's no BS. There's no, oh, you know, he's from this part of the country, so he can do it, or he's white or black or brown or whatever. Doesn't matter. In basketball, if you can put that ball in the hoop. Better you, than anybody else, you have some. You will get it. Yeah. You know what I mean, and and I think that's why in our heart, that's why we all love sports, no matter what age we are. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Sports for women as well, but like for men especially, I feel because we all grow up playing them. That's why we love sports. We watch the best at the best do what they do. I think there's strong correlations between sports and capitalism, and what I mean by that is that sports, like you're just saying, the best man or woman wins. You have the information out there. You have the, the availability to, to learn new skills and whatnot. It's the same thing in capitalism. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, sports merits, the, like I just said, the best man win. Such, same like capitalism. Similar to, like, similar like capitalism. So I think, like, would you guys say there is, like, a... I mean, there's a lot of... We know a lot of uh, people in different leagues, especially in sports leagues like Shaq, LeBron, that are excelling uh, when it comes to capitalism. They own several businesses and whatnot. So, like, I mean... What what's your guys' thoughts on when it comes to how sports translates into the business world? That's a good question. Has it taught you guys anything? I uh, like listen. I think the competitive edge it, it, it's there, right? Like the same way we wanted to win in sports, you want to win, win in, in business. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, and that goes 
to everything. Like even when we're looking at like we were talking earlier, the elections thing, people, oh, these guys want to. I was like, listen, at the end of the day, both of these parties want to win. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know what I mean? Zone, yeah. they, that's what's most important to the company supporting them, to the lobbyists that are funding them. They want to win and they will do whatever they got to do to win. Mm-hmm. That's how it is in sports. It's usually how it is in business as well. It's how it is in life. Yeah, that's how it is in life. life. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's you know the survival of the fittest. You can have all the excuses that you want. Have yeah. all of them. And you could have some justifiable excuses. But at the end of the day, those excuses aren't, you know, paying for your bills. Those excuses aren't progressing you anyway. You know what I mean? It's the guy who's willing to do whatever it takes to win that's going to win most of the time. I like that, man. Mm-hmm. Um, before we wrap this episode up, man, you guys have any last words? This has been like a very, very insightful discussion, especially for a lot of uh, people listening. But uh, I've been waiting to have an episode like this, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'd, I'd love to, if we can get another one done sometime soon, you know what I mean? We'll get people, even especially because we were talking about some politics and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, we were even talking about wage gap stuff yeah. earlier. You know, yeah. we get people on the other side and go at it. I'd love to do it, man. This is, this is where I think the, like we're saying, the free speech. I, I've always loved when somebody said, don't tell me how it is. Convince me how it is. Well, just tell me. I don't need you to tell me. I need you to show me. Give me the numbers. Give me this. You know what I mean? So having communication and talks like this, this is the only way that we're going to continue to progress. This. People from different areas, different ideologies. Let's see. I've always said I can be convinced to anything. I'm not a closed book. You know what I mean? If you have the information, you're, you're right. You have the information. You have the facts. I will listen to you. Right? But you got to convince me. You can't just tell me. Yeah. That's why I love ideas like podcasts like this because it really gives a forum that we can all speak from different experiences and we try to progress forward together. It's amazing. Absolutely, man. And you know, this, this is a gifted gab, man. You gotta come on here. Like, <laughs> we you gotta, gotta come on here. Gotta to say, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, that wasn't a gifted <laughs> move right <laughs> there, but uh, <laughs> that was not smooth. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a second yeah. take. Later, yeah, it's, yeah, okay, man. it's been a pleasure having you on. Absolutely, man. Thanks for coming, man. On that note, just like that, yo.